Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora kōkas whānau. It is time for another uh, dip into the 2023 election campaign. Um, it's great to have your company again. I'm Tim Watkin. I'm Julian Wilcox. And I'm Lisa Owen. And I'm Guy Espiner. And it's lovely to have you here, whether you're listening to us as a podcast, watching us on YouTube, listening on the radio, or however you choose to join your caucus. Um, today, overseas voting has opened. Uh, advanced voting in New Zealand starts on Monday. Uh, election day is about a fortnight away, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and guess what, guys? We're talking about Winston Peters. <laughs> Yeah, I, I picked up a headline um, in the Herald the other day about uh, a kingmaker and, and a photo of a certain septuagenarian. And, um, you know, it could have been a headline from 96 or 05, <laughs> but I checked the date and no, it was 2023. There it is. And the poll, we're doing this because the polls have New Zealand first at 5 or 6%. And because earlier this week, Christopher Lunkson said this. If New Zealand First is returned to Parliament and I need to pick up the phone to Mr Peters to keep Labour and the Coalition of Chaos out, I will make that call. That's not my first preference. We all remember 2017. New Zealand First hasn't gone with National in 27 years and could choose Labour again. So guys, I mean, why, why, why now? Why this call? Luxon has for months and weeks been saying this is a hypothetical, two-tick national, this is a hypothetical, two-tick national. Everything's hypothetical leading up to an election and the ultimate poll. So they're it happy is. to discuss potential partnerships with ACT, which is hypothetical. They're, they're happy to discuss when um, Nicola Willis will be the finance minister, which is hypothetical. This Tax is the, plan is hypothetical. Yep, this is the one hypothetical that they didn't want to have the conversation about. Mm. I think it comes down to the conversation we all had, possibly in the last episode, where we said the polls are now at a situation where it's tight for national, they don't have an, a lot of leverage. If they lose a little bit, then they've sunk below their majority with ACT. Yeah. So this is the insurance policy. And I think as um, sort of media commentators, we can't all sit there and say, oh, come on, tell us what you're going to do. And then when he actually does tell you what he's going to do, mm. then go, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know? So he's given some clarity um, as much as he can. And I think... What is most interesting for me in that video is his tone, is his tone. He's trying to get his tone bang on, which is I'm not ordering you to do something because New Zealand voters hate it when they are told, yes. I think, that I need you to do this in order that I can achieve what I need to, right? So, But he is saying, if I need to... If I need to, I will pick up the phone to Winston Peters. It is not my priority. So there's two things. It's a warning and it's a plea. Yeah. yeah. I think you got it pretty much right. 
as Lisa said, his the, tone, the tone right, and, and yeah. also the content of what he said. It's very obviously not his preferred option. I don't think it's anyone's preferred option, whether you're um, Chris Hipkins or Chris Wilkinson. Well, it is if he wants to pay us, presumably. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but if you're Hipkins, you've obviously ruled him out. Um, and Luxon's made that pretty clear, I think. You know, obviously... He's talking about this is this has to be the case if I'm going to be the prime minister and I need him, then I'll make the call. The line that always gets me now is he's still pulling the coalition of chaos. Does anyone actually believe that there's going to be less chaos with National New Zealand First and Act as opposed to Labour, Greens and Māori Party? Um, and I go back to a conversation we've already had previously. We go and said, surely you'd want to pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone else if you have to do it. But he's made that very clear he's not because no. he's pulled this coalition of chaos line. But I, I don't think that choice. line plays very well anymore. No, and I think that strategically he's made several errors when you look back on it. What did John Key do at the start of every election year? Yeah. He'd take to the podium in February of election year and tell people, A, when the election was going to be, which was a, a real sign of confidence, I'm not going to use my strategic advantage here, I'm going to tell you when the election's going to be, and I'm also going to lay out who the partners I am, who I'm going to work with. And that takes a lot of the sting out of it. I mean, part of the reason Luxon's had to do this now is because he, he kept getting asked, will you work with Winston? Will you work with Winston? That was sucking up oxygen. And his main plank of defence, which was he's not registering in the polls, mm. had suddenly been pulled from him, so it wasn't there anymore. Mm. The polling was showing he wasn't going to make it with, with ACT, and so he had to do that. But he also previously had ruled out the Māori Party, mm. to Party Māori, and that only worked if you could play, we're in one waka going straight ahead to Kotahiatu, mm. and these guys are spinning around in circles like the old uh, rowing ads from the Nats in the past. <laughs> that only worked if the coalition chaos it only worked if you had ruled out Winston Peters. Um, so I think strategically and, and he's made po- an error, but he was forced into cleaning it up and, and he, he had, had no to other do option. It. He had to do it in that week because the advance voting was going to open and he had to go get the message out so, so that voters actually knew what they're going to do because he's asking for, for people to now think. It, it's what Lisa was saying, and it's interesting, that it's somehow a plea on one hand to say, this is how I can form a government. You can still... He's trying to make the sense of a national-led government seem inevitable. But at the same time, it's a warning, which actually says, I will work with Winston Peters. Please don't make me do that. And this is different, right? This is different. Every other election, Winston has been wooed to some extent. This time, everybody is actively pushing against him. Yeah, until it means, until it um, results in them not getting shifting the furniture into the night for the beehive. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is down to four-dimensional chess that we're playing now, isn't it? Because, it is. because They're saying one thing and asking for another. That's right. And Luxon, and Luxon is, as you say, trying to warn people of the chaos that might result in, in Winston Peters um, being part of the mix, but also showing them that um, he's got um, a, a, a reliable path to, to, to government. So it is a fine line that he's walking. Well, yeah. and, and just, 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 I'll come back to you, Julian, but let's just listen to Chris Bishop, because mm. this is... This is an example of how, you know, you cannot imagine someone who wants to have a coalition discussion with someone using language like this. I would describe them as a last resort option. How would it possibly work? It sounds like a worst case scenario for voters. Well, it's it's a worst case scenario for us as well. As I say, we want to govern with the ACT Party. I mean, 
Worst case scenario is not how you talk about your new, no, your new you best friend. Your band, you, no, you send your bag man out to say those things, mm. right? Yeah. And, and, and you create a bubble around yourself and you come across in that nice tone that was mm. used by Christopher Luxon. And then you send someone else out to do to do that job. And and those someone else's probably include um, former prime ministers like Sir John Key, who I spoke to um, yeah. earlier in the week, who was making suggestions like, oh, well, you could make him speaker and take him out of the mix. Mm. I mean, can you... That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> 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 I mean, Mallard was a surprise. <laughs> this yeah. would be um, yeah, but, preposterous. Yeah. So you know, floating <laughs> things like that—that that, that, that Winston would grab that and sort of sit sit outside of I mean, that's, um, the action. That's asking the player not to play. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but this is also possibly, isn't it, part of the, aren't we already seeing the post-election negotiations correct. in a way? Because what you've got is you're trying to shove Winston into a corner saying, hey, look, no one really wants you, mate. No. Um, it's acting national and it's, it's on you if you want to um, force us to go to the country again for an election. Mm. Otherwise, you can, you can play ball. Now, I don't know that that will work because if I know one guy who would actually wear that um, and would f- wear the wrath of the public in calling another election, it's probably Winston but, Peters. But that would, <laughs> don't you think, and you can never know until it happens, that this has been a long, arduous campaign mm. and a long few years to send people back to the polls because nobody can form a government. I think the person who do, does that will be punished and punished Handsomely. I agree with that, but here's the issue with uh, New Zealand First: is they don't need most of the public to like yeah. that. They only need five, six, seven percent. He might get nine in that scenario under a new election, because there might be people who go, "Oh, this is you know, poor old Winston's been forced into a corner." He, that's the thing when you yeah. when you are relying on a five, six, seven percent party, you don't need the bulk of the population and, and he, he, he doesn't need to be liked, that guy, either. Yeah. Uh, uh, and what would the impact of, be, of that be, not just on Winston, but on the National Party? If they were forced in a position where they're the leading party and yet they still could, couldn't get they it would together, take and that, on that. They, would, they would definitely well, see, take this would be the interesting thing because what, what people um, I think need to know is that Peters would probably go in, from my reading of it and looking at the history, he'd probably go into an arrangement like like that. If it was, you know, 58, 59 seats to act in national and they need New Zealand first, one of the first things he'd want to do is say, well, it's a national New Zealand first government. You guys are on the back benches. Yeah, you know, he will play that tough. I mean, he there's no one better at negotiating. Yeah. He, no, and no one has done negotiations for three or four governments. And, like and he's Seymour done. has opened that door. I mean, Seymour's the one who's been saying it could just be confidence and supply, right? We we don't need the baubles of office, says David Seymour. So yeah, he could he and and we've talked about this before. Winston Peters doesn't necessarily want to be associated with a national act no, government that, that could be quite no, right wing. And, and, and so not I, to his I wonder whether the easiest way to. Um, buy him off, and I don't mean that in, a, in, a, in any corrupt sense, but the, 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 maybe the easiest way to placate him would be an 05 scenario where you saw Helen Clark in this situation. Um, she forged an arrangement with New Zealand First where he was foreign minister um, and claimed not to be in the government. Now, yes. political scientists will tell you that anyone who's in the executive is part of the government, mm. so constitutionally he is part of the government, but he claimed not to be in that 05 scenario. So could you have a situation where it's an act national minority government with 58, 59 seats under my scenario, you give Winston Peters the foreign minister job outside cabinet, possibly Shane Jones, the provincial growth fund portfolio outside cabinet, and say the rest of it's on us. You don't have to deal with the, the economics 
confidence in the social policies, you've got the PGF and the foreign ministry, and you can give us confidence and supply. That would be the tidiest way, in my view, of of forging some sort of arrangement. Then he can go through that term saying, well, Act and National doing all this stuff, we're, th- th- this is our little bit quarantine sequestered yeah. over here, and, and this is our sacrosanct little and bit. And he can find some problem. modern equivalent of the gold card to hold up as a win at yeah, the end of that so three you, years. You have no. two that, or three that's the one like I think that. that we think, that's the way we think it's going to go, because it's kind of worked previously, although the worst situations, as we all know, where it didn't actually work perfectly at all, but that seems to be the tidiest scenario. The more we talk about him, the more he gets. And this is the cumulative effect that, that the um, Luxon has found himself in of talking about Winston, not actually wanting to talk about him, but that gives more to Winston, which actually I think we'll see Winston grow even more over the last do, couple of weeks of this think, campaign. Because that, that's the que- one of the questions for me, is that that's been the past record. That's what history mm. tells us, right? That when he gets oxygen, it, it, it inflates his balloon. But this, this is my point. It's different, right? There was always in those contexts... Um, parties trying to make nice with him. Mm. In this case, you've got Dave. Well, you've got David Seymour, for example, saying this. Me and my colleagues, listen up. Listen. We'll work with anyone to try and fix it now. So that's a yes, David. Will you work with Winston? Look, I think ultimately, if a parliament's elected by the people, then you make it work. But I just say it's not credible for the guy who's had more chances to fix New Zealand's problems than anyone oh, else. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go again. Rebecca, Rebecca, I'm sorry. It's like an arsonist <laughs> showing up down. dressed no as a fireman saying, I'm here to help and fix it all for you. It's just not credible. An arsonist turning up to the fire. And you've got Labour... And the Greens and National all saying, this guy's toxic, we don't want to work with him. Is it not different this time? Well, I think this is the conundrum that is Winston Peters. He is there saying, I will work with anyone. It has got so bad Mm. in order to save this fine land of ours. I will work with anyone. No, no, you've ruled out the Labour Party. So you won't work with anyone. That's the first thing. And the second thing is every time uh, someone mentions to him that um, Christopher Luxon has ruled him in by making this announcement that he will work with him, Winston um, responds by saying, no, no, I haven't been ruled in by anyone. It is the New Zealand people who will decide what happens after the election. Um, and he says, quote, that is not how democracy is conducted when he when he's told he's been ruled in or asked about being ruled in. But if that's the way democracy is conducted, can someone explain to me why he has ruled out Labour, because if we're waiting for the people to conduct democracy, then you would be leaving all options open for mm. all parties, um, because otherwise your what you've said there, the no. equation doesn't And he's up. put boundaries on democracy before. He's said at yeah. previous elections that he'd only speak to the biggest party first before he didn't speak to the biggest party first <laughs> with Labour. Yeah, consistency's but, never been the strong You know, so he's, no. he's, always had, he's always had his conditions on how democracy works for, <laughs> yeah, for him. He, he had to rule out Labour because that was one of the base, part, base parts of his approach for this campaign. But because he knew he, that would resound with the population. And that means now he can only fish in the right wing pool, right? That's right. The left bloc is not interested I, in him. Yeah, I'll tell right. you what has changed. What has materially changed is the people people who, and how to put this, the people who arguably would grind Winston Peters' gears are not there, right? So Bill English is not there anymore. You know, long history with Bill English and his um, departure from the National Party, Winston's departure. Treasurer, Finance Minister, right back to those days. Yeah, right back to those days. Um, The Anne Tollies and Paula Bennett's, who he took to court, 
are no longer there. So the 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 people that he may have had, um, you know, long long held animosity towards. Was, well, he, he's called the National Party corrupt after dirty politics and so forth. They're so gone, they're right? Gone. Those yeah. those people are gone, yeah. and you've got a fresh leader. Yeah. Um, so is that's what. Is that what is different? Yeah, I He's think I think you're right, and I, I, I don't think the problem is with National and New Zealand First. No. The, the problem is it's a three-way cocktail yeah. um, with with uh, David yeah, Seymour and Winston Peters, and you know you're, you're kind of getting involved in someone else's marriage, really, in, in that way, because Act and National thought that this was going to be a little, you know, we're going to shack up together yeah. for this new government, and that's what they thought. And the clip we played earlier of David Seymour was from a time when he was polling a bit better, and hmm. and he was, you know. He's now really had to realise that um, it um, isn't going to be quite as cosy, and there might be a, a third yeah. person in the marriage as one former the, princess. <laughs> there is, there is, and I take your point that that this is a, a new Labour, a new national party that he's dealing with, and so he can he can claim a clean slate to an extent. But it is interesting. You talked about you know Luxon's strategic decisions with this. I just wanted to play a couple of clips here because it, there is there is a really there is a backstory here, right? And and. Um, Let's start by going back to, to 2020 and looking at how Simon Bridges dealt with this. I can't trust New Zealand first, and New Zealanders can't either. And New Zealanders are sick of the charades. National won't work with New Zealand first after the election, full stop. So you're going to opposition in that situation? If New Zealand first has the balance of power, we still won't work. You'd rather be in opposition than work Winston. Well, I think what's important is what's in the interests of New Zealanders, not New Zealand first. So those are exactly the Chris Hipkin lines we're hearing this time from Labour, really from National the John That's P right. Lines yeah, and, 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 and the John had P a, lines. Yeah, anyone's had a high point of principle until they have seen that he's the difference between them pa- taking power or not. I mean, Chris Hipkins has been powerful on this stuff, and we'll talk about the debate a little bit later on. But um, it's still true that Labour has formed governments with him in 05 Absolutely. and then from 2017, yeah. and in fact Absolutely. wouldn't have got there without him. So in, none of these people are being consistent about um, New Zealand. Zealand first, and, and never have been. And we've, what we've seen is that when, when it uh, comes to the crunch, and it's a, the difference between them taking the keys to the ministerial limos, they pick up the phone and dial. That's, that's yeah, that's can, true. I, can I just play one more clip before you come in, Julian? Because I, I, I really want to play this clip because um, it is it goes shows how far back the relationship with uh, the tortured relationship with national leaders um, uh, goes, but it also shows us a, a a much younger and more handsome guy in Espina. Frustrating to deal with. He was extremely capable, although sometimes would get diverted. And I would make a personal judgment as he came into my office as to whether the envelope with the papers in it was either open or closed. And it often would tell me the extent to which he had either read what we were then going to discuss. And I, I look, I learnt to both respect and manage it. And on those days, the meetings were short because clearly it was a train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> so that's Winston Peters actually in government, yeah. a train wreck waiting to happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, that government lasted 18 months, didn't yeah. it? Um, that it was the first MMP government, and um, in August of 98, he walked out of the cabinet, um, and that was the last time he went with National. Um, and uh, they were all gone, and he's still there. If, Julian, I'll pick up what you are going to say, because it, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that he has this deep legacy of... Yeah. Um, and. and, and Governments struggle yeah. often. No, absolutely. And um, national uh, trying to sell a strong um, and stable government. Um, you know, the, the question that 
people can ask him Chris Larkin, and he still hasn't figured out a way of answering this is how you're going to manage this relationship between him and David Seymour we, we talked earlier about those people the national that he hated who are gone the only one that he still hates that's in there at the moment is David Seymour so how's he <laughs> going to manage that relationship now all his CEO experience would have would not have prepared him for this and he's talked so, to HR <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right and, you know it was interesting before the debate yesterday someone came up to me and he said you know do you know why Winston's polling at 6% and I said no and he said uh, it's you guys he was actually talking about the caucus. And he said, because we, we were the ones who were talking him in, which actually isn't true. You know, we, we, we commentate on this stuff with him. And the you're power right. His, we have, Julian. Yeah, yeah. You know, his legacy is so strong that, he, that he, keeps, he keeps coming back. The really interesting thing for me was that, you know, when I talked about that he normally picks up 1% or 2% or whatever it is in the last two weeks, what I had forgotten was when I looked at that poll, you've got the New Zealand Party. Which is this this uh, this new party that's come up on one percent? Uh, yeah, Alfred Noddles party. Yep. You've got um, a couple of other parties on one percent. Uh, the, the the loyal party, who by the way still haven't registered, and we talked about this. They didn't register their candidates in time. They're still going to get one percent. It seems to me that those staunch people are going to stay at one percent, where ordinarily previously he might have picked up some of them right. and might have got the extra two percent, and that might be the bit that stops him getting to eight percent, which is what yeah. National would want. Yeah. But he's still going to be there or thereabouts. Any chance? He falls below five. I don't. I don't, I, I don't really it. think so. I put the chances personally at, at above ninety percent that he'll be back yeah, there. Yeah. I think if you see him on six percent in the TV One poll, I mean, you, you never know because it hasn't happened yet. But we do know from history that the Greens don't tend to quite get as much as they no. are polling. That because largely because of the the youth yeah. turnout and and how that reduces and and they don't turn up on the day. Yeah. So the Greens get slightly less than they were polling. This is what history tells us. Yeah. And 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 um, New Zealand First gets slightly more. And older voters, and he's very attractive to older voters. About ninety percent of over sixty fives vote. Yeah. And and so they it's turn a good out. Day out. Come on. Yeah. They turn out. And. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it's free. That's yeah. right. Um, and you just get like the, a Waiheke Ferry. Well, you get your bus card, yeah. <laughs> right. You get yeah. your gold card to get you there. A couple of things on that, and the, and the Jenny Shipley and the fact that that relationship and coalition crumbled. We can never know, but... Um, you, you two will be acutely aware that Jim Bolger said that he felt he had good relationship with Winston Peters and that he would have gone the distance with him had National not had its own ructions going on with a leadership coup and yeah, Jenny Shipley but coming the, the other, and We can't know that. No, but. we can't. And you're right. And to be fair to... to, to uh, I mean, Jacinda Ardern also made it through a term yes. with, with him. But, but the difference again um, there with the Bolger New Zealand First government and remember how the media and, and everyone else thought he was going to go with Labour, but that would have been Labour Alliance yes. and New Zealand First. He likes and, a small and he likes he likes a small the party. Fewer number of moving yeah. parts very possible. Good point. Right? Yeah, very and good. this is the problem. It's like mixing a cocktail. Once you put three ingredients in, it's harder yeah. to get it right. And and this is the, the, the difficulty you, you you've got. I don't think it would be difficult. I think Christopher Luxon, who, who you guys have made good points, I don't think there's bad blood there. I think it could work. Yeah. The difficulty is the three way coalition. But the so other it's like thing, a th- John Key three-way yeah. handshake. It's just difficult and awkward. Yeah. <laughs> the scenario you presented where you give him a, a, a portfolio like um, foreign minister and then there's the provincial growth fund that keeps everyone else occupied and out of your hair and that's your territory and go away. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, Labour, to a certain degree, handled it um, that way. So the thing is, though, when I looked and you said to me... Um, not while we were recording, you said to me, hey, can you think of a few New New Zealand First policies? And I sort of went back and had a look, and I'm thinking that 
it's going to be a difficult marriage because yeah. when you talk about um, key policies, superannuation being one of them for mm. Winston Peters that's, that's and his huge. absolute commitment yeah. to maintaining um, super eligibility at 65. This needs to the, be the first question the in the national, next stand-up, right? The National Party has said it, it, it is not shying away from its intentions to raise the age of eligibility for super. As is that. So that's one, of his, that's one of his core things and his core support bases right there. Foreign buyers, another thing, um, and immigration, things, drums that he has beaten many times but in the lead-up to the he's never delivered on immigration once okay. in any of the governments no, no, he's been in. But I'm just saying, asked about affordability of tax cuts. He's raised questions about yep. the affordability of the tax program of the National Party, of which I believe two of the most senior senior leadership um, people, uh, Christopher Luxon and Nicola Willis, have bet their jobs on, right? right? So, and then you think about that, and then other, the other things that he is bringing into the mix, like you know, transgender toilets and issues that he's he's going down a rabbit hole on and he wants to cap the job seekers benefit two years in your entire lifetime does he want to cap the biggest universal benefit that New Zealand pays for two years oh, in your what's lifetime? The biggest, what's the biggest benefit in New Zealand history uh, Lisa? It's the pension. Superannuation mm. Yeah <laughs> unfortunately it's pretty unfertile ground trying to go through New Zealand First policies and connect that to what w- would happen afterwards because he campaigns like they talk about campaigning on in poetry and governing in prose. Hmm. I mean, Winston Peters campaigns on things that he doesn't want to go near. He'll campaign on the evils of neoliberalism, on the dangers of open immigration. When he gets into government, does he look at any of the domestic portfolios? No. He takes to foreign ministers' job, which keeps him out of the country most of the time. The one thing he will not concede on, I would argue, is... Super. I would yeah. agree with he, that. He's yeah. 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 not no, going to give that, that up. No. That, that's, so where does that leave National that, when they again, have when, dug their toes in on that? And, hard and, out? and also, it's, it's not part of their tax plan, but it's also part of, because this is, you know, some years off. But it is, a, you're right, a clear ideological stand. Yeah. They've said that they've actually done the maths and we need to start... Raising super yeah, I know I made the point earlier, rubbishing the claim that we were the ones who propelled Winston into 5%, <laughs> but we just spent half an hour talking about him. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention, though, was if you're the ACT Party, you'd be worried because you've stagnated at 12%. Yeah, uh, and potentially are going to go lower. The other thing I just wanted to mention very quickly on the latest polls is if you're the Māori Party, you're really worried because, and I know they will, their argument will be that Māori voters, particularly young Māori voters, don't turn up in polls. Um, but they're now at two percent. That means that the young, bright, shining star Hunter Afiti, my Clark won't make it into Parliament. And on the Māori television polls, they're not winning any of the electorates so far. None at all. Uh, well, aside from Waiatiki, sorry, Wait, but, yeah, but sure. they should have picked up one or two. They're behind in all of them, aside from Waiatiki. That, and why is that? Is that when you've got an unpopular to... Labour Party, yeah. you would think that they would be sweeping up votes left, right and centre. Where is that going then, do you think, Julian? I mean, um, does... Lots in the Greens. And yeah. that, that comes down to um, James Shaw and Marama Davidson, who have both been very good, had a good in previous, in previous um, had a good debates, campaign. which mm. is interesting. Marama Davidson's uh, Davidson came up, I think it was in the TVZ poll recently, yep. 2% preferred Prime Minister. Yeah. First well, time look, ever. And, wow. and, and she was. And we've got a clip to, to play. We, Lisa, you mentioned the, the welfare um, uh, policies that came out this week. As you mentioned, New Zealand First, um, a two-year time limit, lifetime limit on, on welfare. Um, national... Only some um, welfare. Some yep. welfare, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, national... Um, uh, raising some uh, a new range of sanctions and obligations around 
uh, job seeker benefit in particular, um, and change and interestingly making the change back that that Labor has for the last couple of years um, put benefits up, benefits as well as super up by um, the average wage. Yeah, it's tagged to, tagged to the average wage. As opposed but, to inflation. But national, their announcement is that they would make the benefit tagged to inflation. inflation which is so, back where it was. So it Smaller increases. wouldn't be increasing at the the rates it has been. All of that context was the setup that Marama Davidson um, was obviously very angry about that and said this on uh, RNZ. The research has not been able to be clear about whether they work or not, but that they do create more hardship. And I'm pretty pissed off about this, to be honest. I am trying to talk to the thousands and thousands who are sitting there feeling alone, feeling abandoned by bloody political leaders who just don't talk to them, who just don't get it, but who want to throw them across the floor. Gone, you're saying a strong campaign. Yeah, very much so. And if you look, um, you know, back to a campaign like uh, 2017 for the Greens, uh, when Materia Today, uh, again, similar amounts of passion, but it utterly blew up on her. Um, quite different circumstances, obviously. But, you know, the Greens can implode in, in, in their campaigns. And I, I think Marama Davidson, in my view, has been one of the standout uh, performing leaders in this campaign and, and really taken her opportunities. And um, I guess they've got the advantage of not having to play to the centre, which mm. is the difficulty that... Um, well, Hipkins has found himself in. Yeah, you have you. You're not questioning what they stand for. Not at one point are you questioning no, you're not. what the That's Greens right. stand for. Yeah, you know. What their policies are, what they would do. You absolutely know. Yeah, and they led it on dental too, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well whereas, ahead of Labour. Whereas arguably you might say that there'll be people questioning what does Labour stand for absolutely. now? What does yeah. this Labour stand for? Mm. You have none of those questions around the Green Party. It is very clear um, what they stand for. And interesting her comments around... Um, beneficiaries because part of me wondered why National was polling the way it was, why they made such a big deal out of benefits mm. this week. Why did they go there? You know, why did they dredge up um, National Party of Past, um, Paula Bennett, When they're Sanchez. trying to look a slightly softer Well, well, well they're version, trying to present compassionate conservatism, right. aren't they? Isn't, isn't that part of, because they're moving seemingly towards the centre line with some of their um, comments, you know, drugs is a health issue. But that sense of obligation and giving something yes. back is always part of the conservative, but, uh, yes. um, compassionate conservatism view, right? Absolutely. But... Tough love. But, but, but... What's really important about this week is that you put out a video saying you'll work with Winston Peters if you have to, mm. and then you release a policy that um, comes out hours before Winston Peters says his thing about benefits. You can't know when he was making his announcement, but you potentially are playing to a corner of voters, a little wedge of voters, that mm. were going to go with um, Winston Peters, given his attitudes right. towards um, welfare and benefits and it's paying people back. How did my come back? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the debate um, this week um, down Which one? the road. <laughs> well, this is this is a good question. You know, because they're the coming thick and fast, aren't they? The yeah. Co Papa Māori debate. Co Papa Māori one. Um, what did we think about the Co Papa Māori debate? Was it? Uh, there were some things that were said by ACT Party representatives and National Party representatives with the benefit of hindsight. I think they'd go, maybe I shouldn't have said that, the whole $4 a week thing to Tamapotaka, who, by the way, is a really good friend of mine and was a groomsman at my um, in my wedding. So um, I'll be careful what I say. Full disclosure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, $4 a week, what can you get for that? Lots of rice and two protein bars. Uh, no, bro. Um, and, and showed a little bit of out of touch. 
Yeah. Uh, and um, didn't go down well with the crowd. It didn't go well down well, well with everyone else. Uh, Karen Shaw, who was there for the um, for the act party, didn't even know what Tumatatini was. Um, lots of social media pick up on those kind of things. Not a great performance. Standout performer, Marba Davidson. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting debate. It was well worth a watch. It is still online. You can see it there. Um, it was uh, the the moderator was Mikey Sherman, who did an excellent, excellent job, in my view. Um, there were other, other interesting moments when they were asked to put their hands up if they were a landlord. Mm. Right. right. Yes, yes, yes. So a number of hands went up. I think four. Yeah. Yeah, went up, and then and then she followed through and said, "Well, what what are you charging? What rent are you charging your tenants?" And um, Tama Portaka refused to say. <laughs> I think in the end he said, well, less than the Hamilton median or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, which is, what <laughs> so he knows. What does that mean? <laughs> so, so he knows yeah. exactly. Yet, I mean, and that was an interesting because you didn't have to say much more after that, given that the party has introduced policies which it says is going to put downward pressure on mm. um, rent, right? Yep. Yet you have your guy there who was in the rental market not prepared to discuss what he's charging people. Willie Jackson couldn't wait wait to tell everybody how much he was charging for his properties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but there were some interesting moments in there, and I thought it was interesting. You mentioned Karen Chaw, who is the ACT candidate, who openly said that she was raised in a different um, environment to a number of the other candidates who were representing the Māori policies for their parties. Um, so she was, she was in a slightly um, awkward situation at various moments, yep. but it was a good watch, that debate. Yeah, no, it was. And the only other thing I, w- I would say is that um, we're doing a Māori policy debate on the hui on Thursday next week so <laughs> I look forward to that interesting choice John Tamahed is the president of the Māori party is their representative not Debbie Ngarewepaka I know Rawiri Waititi's mother uh, passed away so they potentially were unavailable it'll be interesting to see if JT's their representative at our debate next week well he was he represented Te Pāti Māori in the crime uh, law and crime yeah. debate yeah. On, on Radio New on Zealand as well yes, he did. Yeah. <coughs> it's yeah. an interesting strategy to keep Bringing him back. Um, the the other debate this week was the News Hub um, uh, yes. leaders debate, um, and look, there was um, we haven't got a lot of time, so I just want to jump straight into this uh, grab from the debate because it was quite a moment. This is a quote from last week, and it's from a New Zealand First candidate speaking at a Meet the Candidates meeting, and I, I'm a, I, I get a bit angry about this because this is a direct quote. And he's talking about Māori. He said, cry if you want to, we don't care. You pushed it too far. We are the party with the cultural mandate and the courage to cut out your disease and bury you permanently. Christopher, you're willing to work with these people. Why? Well, I'll tell you why, because I'll tell you what's going to happen. Is I don't want to work with, the, well, I don't want to work with New Zealand First, but I am going to make the call if it means that I stop you to party Māori and Greens coming to power in three years. Do you think that's racist? I do. I don't think that's acceptable so at all. So why are you willing I to have them sitting around the cabinet table? I don't think that's acceptable at all. That was maybe Chris Hipkins' best moment in the campaign, probably. Um, um, but it was interesting. I was at the debate. I know well, Julian obviously was because he was on the telly afterwards. Um, but I was sitting there in the crowd and I went down to the stand-up afterwards. And Because that was a bit of a wow moment. There was a, there was a New Zealand first racist thing in there. And so I, I said to both of the, the, the leaders afterwards, um, do you think that New Zealand first was a racist party? Do you think that's representative of the whole New Zealand First Party? Are you saying that they are a racist party? Those are the sorts of messages that New Zealand First candidates have been putting out there around the country. Are they a racist party? Um, I think that's absolutely a racist statement, and I think New Zealand First are absolutely playing the race card in this campaign. So therefore, New Zealand First, do you see that as representative of the party and the racism within that party? 
Not necessarily. You know, it's obviously a candidate that's made a, a grossly offensive remark, and that that position is I don't condone that at all. Chris. But all I've, all I'm saying to you is, is I, and I want New Zealanders to understand this. You know, I don't want to have to do that, but as a last resort, I will do it as a principle because I do not want to see three more years of this country going backwards under this government. What did you make of it? I thought it was a powerful line from Hipkins and a good technique and he was aggressive and he's got nothing to lose and he threw it all out there and good on him and I think technically probably won the debate. It might be a bit late for him. And it would have been a lot more powerful if New Zealand First hadn't used those sort of dog-whistling tactics way back in the late 90s with saying Queen Street, you couldn't recognise it from Asia anymore. You saw the multi-headed hydra um, comments in the um, post-9-11 and um, attacking the Muslim communities. I mean, he's been playing this game for a long time, so it's a bit rich of um, Chris Hipkins to say, what a shocker, he's terrible, we would never work with him, when he installed you into government in 2017 and in 2005. Um, So, yeah, I mean, yep, strong tactic, and I think it worked for him on on the night, but when you look at the principle over time, it doesn't really stack up. I The one thing about that, though, I think um, you're right, because obviously Labour has been in government with him, and he's not just been making these comments, and the party has not just been making these comments in recent times. What was quite powerful also was when Chris, when Chris Hipkins was challenged on the fact that he had been in a government with Winston Peters, and he just straight out said, yep, I have. And it will never happen yeah, again. So, yeah, but so, who would believe that? No, yeah. exactly. Um. There is that point. But on the opposite side of the coin, when you're asked to comment on a statement like that, which was like it was it was like that was a sucker punch. It was like, oh whoa, who said that? You know, that's what you sort of felt in that moment. And to have um Christopher Luxon was equivocating there, right? And again, oh, it's me delivering the history lessons today. Hello. <laughs> okay. Hello. Take you back to Jim Bolger. Jim Put my Bolger. feet up over here and have a little bit <laughs> before you take over. Jim Bolger called out Winston Peters in the in the lead up to the ninety six election for having running a racist campaign. He accused him of running a racist campaign, and you know that was the comments about Asian people and all Asian the rest invasion. of it. Regardless of the fact that he ended up in a situation where he needed to. Um, you know, befriend Winston Peters and have former government with him. He he wasn't having a bar of that. He stood on principle and said no. And a man Irish New Zealand background, as you know, mm. he said I abhor racism and he called him out about it. And then yet he still went on to form a government with him. So I think there is ways to maintain your principles, say what you value, and people I think understand that there has to be a certain degree of pragmatism because who wants to go out on October the 15th, 16th, 17th and vote again? It's interesting, that conversation, (laughs) not me, it's it's that that part of that context of that conversation, the stand-up was he was, Luxon was being pushed on principles and is this a principled stand to be able to um, to be willing to uh, work with a party that you were saying you don't want to work with and that you say have, um, you know, making offensive statements like this. And and his argument, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how he can how this stretches and how voters respond to this. His argument was my greatest principle, my first principle is changing the government. Mm. My first principle is that three more years of uh, Labour Greens to Party Māori would be so bad that um, I will be prepared to take this hit. 
And is that, do people see that as noble or do they see it as a grasp for power? Well, the other way to look at that, as you say, is, um, you know, my first principle is I want to be in power. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> so the other way of looking yeah, at it. Which is, yeah, I mean, he, 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 can, he can spin it that way. I, th- I think everyone knows that, um, you know, he, he'd, be, he'd be doing this as a last resort, as, as he says, mm. but does that make it um, any better? And it is difficult to have a position of principle when you're saying you don't want to deal with someone, but you would um, in order to get there. Yeah, um, there were other parts of the debate where um, he was awfully slippery. Um, and was questioned on a number of things and just wouldn't answer the question. Um, but it seems to be, if you're Hipkins, you're going, yeah, look, I think I did pretty well. If you're Luxon, you're thinking, okay, look at look at Twitter or whatever it's called nowadays and go, hmm, did, did anything actually mortally wound me out of that? No, not really. No. Uh, you know, did my inability to be able to answer the question directly and get what I needed to and divert and all that kind of stuff, is that going to hurt me? No, not really. No. He, he, you're right. He, he struggled to, he wouldn't answer a bunch of questions and he looked evasive. But in between it all, the smile stayed. Yeah. He he didn't look flat. Demeanor was good. He, demeanor yeah. was good. You know, he yeah. still got. And he that. joked a few times. Yeah, yeah. he he did even look, when he was taking the hits. Yeah, yeah. In, in that sort of key esque way. Exactly. Yeah. But, but exactly. I, and and I think that is relative, pretty genuine from him. I, yeah. I, I think he's he's got himself into a position where he is able to bring pretty much his authentic self. He's the CEO guy. Yeah. I, um, he, I, and, and he shows his inability to answer um, questions. When someone says, "Oh, would someone taking MDMA at a festival is are they a criminal?" It's a great question, by the way. But as uh, uh, Helen Clark would have said. Well, I very much doubt the police would arrest anyone for taking one MDMA tablet, and that would, you know, mm. probably get you out of it. He hasn't got those skills, but does no. it matter? And do people really? Do, no, do people care no, about but I, that? I thought that was. See, that's why I think I disagree with you a little bit. Mm. You're right. There's an authenticity there about he's got that key vibe where um, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. I don't, I'm not going to get too tied up about the stuff. But that answer I thought was really interesting about the MDMA because. Clearly, his political instinct or training, and I think he's so trained, right? His political training was towards the, a liberal response. Was yes, treated as a I health, agree. Treated, yeah, treated yeah. as a health, treated as health, as yes, health thing. Yeah. But, and then he but, suddenly realised, oh, well, no, the mis- criminal. But, well, it's, it is, and it was a great question from Paddy Gower, but it is a difficult one, isn't it? Because is that, let's pay, take, a, take a 27-year-old lawyer who goes to a um, music festival and, and has an MDMA um, tablet as they're zinging out to their favourite band. Are they a criminal? Well... <laughs> In the eyes of the law, you've broken you've broken that law. But are you a criminal if you break the speed limit? I mean, it, it's a it's it's one of those ones where we have some fun with it in the media, and I'm not, certainly not bagging Patty for the question. I thought yeah. it, was, it was good fun, and and these sorts of things we need to see how they react and 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 where they they lie. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's. But it, my point is that it wasn't is is that it, it's a fascinating question. But I don't think I got an authentic response from him. I actually didn't think that was authentic. He was cal- there was a calculation, right? He was trying to figure out oh, the he's, right he's thing. Yeah. I, I don't feel at the end of that I genuinely knew what he believed. And the same we we know with Mother Davidson what she genuinely believes. I don't yeah. think I know from that answer what Christ- Christopher Luxon really I believes. I think you're right. I, I about think his, drugs, I think his right? first instinct was was the truth that he doesn't see them as criminals and he'd like to see it some other way. He, he was talking about drug testing, which <laughs> they voted against. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think you're right that his inclination. Is is relatively um, progressive on some of those things, but then he caught himself and realised that yeah, they were criminals in the eyes of the law. Yeah. But yeah, maybe yeah. maybe you're right that um, that it was difficult to gauge exactly what the authentic response was. Yeah, when you're in pole position and you're doing a debate like this, all you need to do is hug the other guy. 
And there are parts he tried where to he do did that, didn't he? he? Well, yeah. he tried to, but but also in the way he talked about things with, yeah, yeah, I agree with Chris on that. Yeah. And, and we should that, be bipartisan. They go down well. well. They they go, they, 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 people, they people love that. The, yeah. the, the other one where, where Hipkins got him on gangs and off, you take the patches off, how are you going to know who a gang member is and all that kind of stuff, which again is a zinger. Um, Crowd and, in you the theatre You would have thought one. he would have handled that a lot better. Crime is one of their big pushes, and I actually think Hipkins threw him over on, on gangs and crime. Here's the other thing, though. They, they spoke specifically about what happened at the Tangia or Portuki. None of those guys has gone to Portuki. None of them uh, been interesting there. Point. None of them know anything about what the local response was in Portuki. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of this is just political theatre. The problem is if you're a Labour Party supporter or if you're on the left, you were wondering where this guy was three months ago, so you you could try and bake in the narrative around Luxon, and it feels to me like it's it's too late now. There's two weeks away. People, I think, like the look of Luxon enough. I mean, look at the preferred prime minister polls; they're pretty even. Yep. Your ability to be able to change people's thinking on that is limited now. the The narrative is baked in about him is he's capable enough to be able to manage. Let's give him a go. Well, we will find out in the next seven days before the next episode of Caucus whether this has changed anything. Yeah. Has this actually, is it as baked in as you say? Um, or have we actually got a little bit of uh, spice left in this uh, recipe yet? Um, we'll talk about that next time on Caucus. We're out of time, but it's been lovely to have your company. Um, do follow us on your favourite podcast app, watch us on YouTube, and we'll see you next week. 